Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the word-giving, insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now, on to today's message. School compass, all right? So the purpose of a compass is to give us the directions of north, south, east, and west, all right? So many times in life, we feel like we're heading in the right direction when in fact, we're not. And we just need guidance. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. All right, so this is where I need your help. I want everyone, I said everyone, come on now, to close your eyes. Don't overthink it. Just close your eyes. And I want you to point to the direction that you believe north is in. Yeah, close your eyes. Point in the direction that you believe north is in. Everyone's got to do this. All right, all right. Now, I want you to open up your eyes, leave your hand pointed in the direction that you believe north is, okay? So, the true direction of north is this way. All right, go ahead and put your hand down. Go ahead and put your hand down. The ironic thing is that many of us in here have a view of the purpose of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we view it in the same way we viewed North was. Some, well, a few were correct. But most of us was cor- were incorrect. I thought it was that direction, but I was wrong. So I just needed some guidance. So the term, the Holy Spirit moving, can mean so many things to so many people and not ever hit the biblical target of what it really is. We can think that the Holy Spirit moving can mean so many things that the Bible never says that it really is. So we could really miss the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So today, we're going to look at the initial, what we would call the move of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at the initial move of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 2, uh, it's 50 days after Jesus was crucified. He spent 40 of those days after his resurrection teaching. And previously in chapter 1, the disciples, now imagine this. They watch Jesus ascend into heaven. How cool would that have been to be there to witness that, right? That's what I'm thinking. So for around 10 days, they gather in an upper room. And they take time to pray in obedience. And they are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, keep in mind, this is in Jerusalem. That's where they're at. There are about 120 people gathered praying. So the Jews are having their second big festival called Pentecost, which means 50th. Now, why is this significant? Well, first, it is 50 days after Passover, the main Jewish feast. All the Jews come from other countries and they would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year. And this was a second big feast. So the Jews gathered each year to celebrate what God has given Moses and the whole nation of Israel. 
he gave them their law. So they celebrated this. So check this out. God sent the law to the children of Israel. And what we're going to see in these verses that we're about to read is that the Holy Spirit is sent to God are sent from God to the followers of Jesus. Let me say that one more time. So we're going to see that the Holy Spirit is sent by God to the followers of Jesus. So let me just say this. Can you picture this, that God loves you and I so much that we live in a day... It's called the day, the day of grace, the age of grace, that God has chosen me, chosen you, each believer, to live in a time where the Holy Spirit comes. And when we follow Jesus and accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in to reside in us. And we have the same Holy Spirit, resurrection power, that dudamus, that dynamite power living within us so we could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got more power than you would ever realize. I think you know it, but I'm just here to remind you that you have the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of you to empower you to live the life that he has called you to live. I said, come on now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? So we're going to take a look and see what happened here in these awesome uh, verses here starting in Acts 2 verse 1. So let's go on a ride here. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Kind of like us, we're meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone pre present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So they were supernaturally given the ability to speak in other languages. At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud voice everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. So these are the Jews who spoke a different language and dialect according to where they live. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. I bet they were. How can this be, they exclaim. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things, things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What could this mean, they asked each other. So, this is a definite move of the Holy Spirit for sure. They're hearing the gospel in their own language. I love how Luke, the doctor, who wrote this, goes in such detail about the different types of people. Verse 13. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They are just drunk. Now, Peter goes on to say in a few verses that it's way too early to be drinking. So, I guess people were big on drinking um, during day festivals at this time. Kind of like the chili cook-off here in Richmond every year. You know what I'm saying? My, how things don't change. Come on, somebody. All right, we're going to go to verse 22. 
two at this time. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles. Come on. Wonders, yeah, and signs through him as you well know. But God knew what would happen, listen to this, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. Mm. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. Listen to this. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in its grip. Come on. Peter is preaching to the ones who crucified Jesus. This is the same Peter, 50 days later, who is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's standing before the people who crucified Jesus. And he is boldly preaching this message right to them, to their ears, to their hearts. Because now he has received the power of the Holy Spirit. And he has the boldness to boldly preach to the same people that crucified Jesus. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So he goes on to say, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37. Listen to this. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, listen to this, brothers, what should we do? They are literally saying, what is the next step I should take? Verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Now, I've heard this passage butchered so many times, who knows what I'm talking about. And many times we put the wrong focus on this passage. Here's the big idea of the passage. And here is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Here's today's big idea. When the Holy Spirit moves, people take next steps in their faith journey. You're thinking to yourself, that's so good. You want to hear it again? Well, here you go. When the Holy Spirit moves... People take next steps in their faith journey. The people in this passage, the Jews, placed their faith in Jesus, the Messiah, and got baptized. You know what they did? They took a clear next step. Now, could you imagine if they stopped, say like verse 4, after they spoke in these other languages, and everyone went home saying, man, that was a good church service. People spoke in other languages. The Holy Spirit moved, but they didn't take any steps beyond that point? Could you imagine that? Well look, to be honest, that's the equivalent of what we do because we don't celebrate that the Holy Spirit wants us to take next steps in our faith journey. And here's the deal. We're all on a faith journey. We all are on a unique journey that God has called us to be on. And the Holy Spirit exists to empower us to take next steps in our faith journey. Now, you may be thinking, why is this important for you to know? I'm so glad you asked that because I, I, I've, got a, I've got a reason why. Here's why. If we don't get this big idea today, we will dumb down the Holy Spirit to just entertainment. We'll come, we sit, and we are entertained, but we'll go home the same, nothing changes. We don't consistently take next steps in our faith journey. So when we do that, this is when we miss the point of why God has given us the Holy Spirit to live 
inside every believer. But if you get this today, you will ask the same question that the Jews did in verse 41. What must we do? Every time we gather corporately, like we are now, every time we're in small groups, and if you're not in a small group, what are you waiting on? You're missing out. Get in a small group next semester. You will love it. This is where you'll grow close to people in church. This is where you'll grow closer to God. And this is where you'll make some of your best friends. Every time we pick up the Bible daily as we read the Bible, we should be asking the Holy Spirit, what is the next step you want me to take? Unfortunately, though, many followers of Jesus miss the point and they view the Holy Spirit and his work in the wrong way. Now here are some of the wrong views of the Holy Spirit. There are many wrong views, but today I want us to focus on three. So the first wrong view of the Holy Spirit, you guys ready to have a little fun now? The Holy Spirit is like the Jedi Force in Star Wars. Come on now. All right. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Hey, there are cults out there that say that the Holy Spirit is an active force. What they do is they depersonalize the Holy Spirit. He is not a Jedi force as cool as the Jedi force is in Star Wars. He is not a Jedi force like in Star Wars. John records Jesus telling his disciples in John 16 that the Holy Spirit is a person. He convicts us of sin. He convinces us of God's righteousness in our lives. He teaches us. Let me just say this. When you read the Bible and you have an understanding of the Bible, you're not the one that's understanding the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit revealing God's truth to you. How cool is that? Did you know that the Holy Spirit comforts you? You know when you're in, at a point in your life where you're broke down, you don't know if you can continue, you don't have any hope, and you're asking for God to comfort you, and that surge of love and that surge of comfort comes into your life, and you know it's from God, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit providing that to you. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it. And one thing that the Holy Spirit's done in my life is that he, I used to be the most selfish person in the world. The Holy Spirit has empowered me not to be selfish, not to be self-centered, and to serve others with the love of Christ so that I can better this world. And that's what the Holy Spirit is waiting for each one of you to do. No matter how much we do that. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be less selfish, less self-centered. And have you to serve other people in the name of Jesus to make our world a better place. The second wrong view of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit exists to give us goosebumps. Come on now. Now, I love goosebumps more than probably anyone in here. All right? I love when the Holy Spirit touches me and I get goosebumps. I love it. I absolutely love it. I knew this lady one time. I nicknamed her HSR for Holy Spirit Radar. She would go into her room and she would go around the room like a Holy Spirit radar detector. She would get goosebumps on her arm and she would say, oh, look at the goosebumps. Look at the goosebumps on my arm. I know God's in this place. She would really do that. So I would nickname her Holy Spirit Radar. That's what I nicknamed her. Awesome woman. 
But you get a little crazy when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the goosebumps. Okay? Now, let me just say this. I, I told you I love goosebumps. Alright? I love when God touches me like that. But you can get goosebumps when someone's singing a great song and breaking that song down like James from the four the other night. Who knows what I'm talking about? James singing his song. It was amazing. I got goosebumps when he was singing and he won that competition, the four. I had goosebumps. I was amazed. I get goosebumps when I see my favorite team win a football game. Don't judge me. This is just me. I get goosebumps when I watch UFC and I see someone get kicked upside the head and get knocked out. I get goosebumps. Don't judge me. That's just me. You might not share that feeling with me. I get goosebumps when someone is having a difficult time in their life and they overcome an obstacle and they have victory in their life. I get goosebumps for a lot of different reasons. But that doesn't mean that it's the Holy Spirit. Come on. Here's my point. Even though you don't feel a thing, the Holy Spirit is trying to guide you to take next steps like a compass guides you in the right direction. The final view of the Holy Spirit, the final wrong view of the Holy Spirit is this. The experience matters more than the life after the experience. It's great to experience God. I love to experience God. It's great to experience the move of the Holy Spirit. But a wrong view is to think what happens at the altar is more important than what happens after the altar. So it doesn't matter what you say happens in a church service. If the following week you aren't changed. What matters is what happens to you after a week, after a month of that church service that you attended. So what else does the Bible say about maturity? Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus about the purpose of church leaders. And ultimately as we read, we will see we are to grow in maturity. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14. Then... We will no longer be immature like children. So here's the action step that we're going to take today. I must view the Holy, I must view next steps toward maturity as the primary work of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. Let me say that again. I must view next steps towards maturity as the primary work of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. This is to all the followers, uh, all the people in here that are not followers of Jesus. You're in the right place this morning. If you are not a follower of Jesus, the main work of maturity is for you to make an eternal decision today to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You're going to have the opportunity to do that here in a moment. And let me just say this. It'll be the biggest decision of your life. It'll be the greatest decision of your life. You will make the most important decision of your life and it will change your life in ways that you never thought would be so good. However, if you are a follower of Jesus, then taking next steps in maturity is proof that the Holy Spirit 
actually move. And when the Holy Spirit interacts with our hearts, we should take a next step toward maturity. This means that we should grow in maturity. Thank God it doesn't mean that we should grow in height. Come on now, praise him. (laughs) Praise him. I'm just saying. Praise him. He's a good God. In our spiritual walk, we should grow in maturity. Knowing the Lord. We get an opportunity to grow closer to our, our Lord and Savior every day. In our emotional state, we should be growing in God's spirit by handling, better handling anger, offense, jealousy. You know what I'm talking about out there. In our relationships, the Holy Spirit should be helping us taking next steps and becoming more mature. Our heart at Thrive is that our major value, one of our major values is maturity. Everyone has a next step. Everyone has a next step. And I believe right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, revealing to you what the next step is. I would encourage everyone today, right now, ask the Holy Spirit, what must I do in my next steps? What is the next step you want me to take? Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the sweet and precious name of Jesus. I believe your Holy Spirit has touched everyone in here to reveal to them their next steps. Father, empower them to take those next steps. Empower them to not make any more excuses. Empower us to not make any more excuses, Father. To be completely surrendered to you and allow your full will in our life. If you're a believer in here today and you know there's a clear next step that you need to take, maybe you want to recommit your life to Christ, maybe you want to pray that God use you more and empower you more by the power of his Holy Spirit. Raise your hand in the air if you want to pray. Just ask God to use you in a greater capacity and to empower you to take the next steps that you already know you should take. Yeah, hands all over the place. Beautiful. Father, I just come to you. I pray for each person that has put their hand in the air. And for each person that hasn't, that knows that they need to take a clear next step. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you empower them to take that next step. And with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed. This is to everyone in here who is not a follower of Jesus. The first step of maturity is knowing that you need to make an eternal decision today. Every eternal decision is made in a moment in time. Let this moment be yours. Accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Invite him into your heart right here, right now. And ask him to forgive your sins. To give you a brand new life. To accept the free gift of eternal life which is only found in him. For those who want to make that decision today, I want you to raise your hand high in the air and do not let anything stop you today. If you want to make that decision, raise your hand high in the air. I see your hand in the air. Amen. Amen. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Holy Spirit, Empower me to take my next step with you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
For those of you that made a decision to follow Christ, there's a next step for you to take today. And we're going to get to that next step here in a moment. But right now is a special, special time. And an announcement that I want to share with everyone. We all know Brooks and Lauren Rogers. They lead our worship team. They oversee our worship team. And they allow us to worship God through music. They have taken our worship team at both of our campuses. They serve both campuses to the next level. And we all know them and love them. And they have been called by God. Here's their next step to transition out of Thrive. So they're going to transition out of Thrive. God's called them to move to North Carolina. God's called Brooks to a brand new job. They've been so happy here at Thrive Church for the little bit of time that they've been here. But God is calling them to their next steps. So I'm going to ask Brooks and Lauren to come out here right now. So as I was saying, they've done an amazing and incredible job serving Thrive Church at both campuses. Yes. They've taken our worship team to the next level. And because of them, we get to worship God through music in such a great way. Opportunities have opened up for Brooks and Lauren. Uh, They weren't even certain for an opportunity, but God opens those doors. But as they explore the opportunity, through much time of praying, fasting, guidance from pastors and mentors, um, Brooks had a job open up for him that he wasn't even searching for. They have an opportunity to move to North Carolina to be near their family. And I just want to say, you guys are two of the most amazing people I've ever had the honor of knowing. I, I look around Thrive Church, I look at the legacy that you've left behind. It's, it's incredible. I love you guys dearly. Two unique people that, that all of us are going to miss. So, in the book of Acts, Barnabas and Paul, before they went out to ministry, um, the church prayed for them before they were sent out. So let's go ahead and pray for uh, Brooks and Lauren right now. So Father, I just come to you. I lift up Brooks and Lauren to you and I, I thank you, God. It's with excitement and it's with sorrow that they're leaving. But God, I thank you that you have a next step for them. God, lead them every step of the way as they trust in your plan for their life. I pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, 